Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA and as always so glad you joined us. No matter where you found us in your favorite podcast channels, we are there and we love bringing experts in the industry in to talk to you, the amazing dental assistant. And today we are pleased to be joined by Nicole Fortune, RDH. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm great, Kevin. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for being on. And I'd love for our audience to get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. I, uh, as you said, I'm a dental hygienist, but I started in dentistry as an assistant, mo- always in specialty, which is kind of interesting. I started in endo, then went to um, oral surgery practice where I learned so much. And it was there over those eight years of being an assistant that I was encouraged to continue on um, and do hygiene. And then when I graduated, um, the fact that I wasn't assisted in oral surgery may be hugely desirable by a pair of really busy perio office because I could, um, I understood many of the procedures overlap, you know, the two professions and I understood those and I could jump in and assist and um, as well as doing as doing hygiene. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Well, and, and I love you have that wide base of knowledge. What what were the things as you moved between specialties or you moved between positions that you you took with you from the previous one? Uh, I know sometimes when assistants change roles, they often bring a lot of the knowledge and maybe some of the bad habits as well from the previous practice. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're always growing as human beings anyway, right? And so I really knew nothing. I was not a, a, a certified dental assistant. I was trained off the street. So I came in um, you know, green as anything. Um, so I think that what, um, what served me well was my curiosity. So I was always interested in, in what the doctor was recommending and why. Uh, so asking questions and just really listening really keenly um, to what they were uh, recommending to patients and, and uh, understanding what uh, situations warranted themselves to uh, different diagnoses. So my curiosity really, I think, helped out quite a bit. And that's how I started to develop some kind of critical thinking skills clinically. And that was all while I was an assistant, especially especially in, in oral surgery, because you see so many different things from whole different uh, people from all sorts of different backgrounds. Um, so you never knew it was going to walk in the door. Um, but it really sharpened asking those questions and then learning what the right questions were to ask of the doctor and then of the patient really started to um, allow me to be able to follow in my mind why things were happening and how and how to predict what was going to happen for that patient in the future. And I think that is the um, the, my big, the biggest thing that, uh, that, that served me was staying curious like that. And, and you mentioned those questions and learning what those were. Was that a trial and error method or how did you kind of fine tune the questions you knew you needed to ask to get the right information? Uh, well, when it comes to when it came to questioning my doctors, I was fortunate to work with a group of doctors that were open to the questions. But there were six of them, you know, so there it was a big oral surgery practice. And, and, and as you started out, you got to know, you know, who, who wanted to, to talk with you about these cases and who would prefer you just to do your work. So I was fortunate that I had quite a few that were open to that. Um, and it just, 
those questions just kind of started with a, you know, what is this and why are we doing it this way? And as long as they were open to telling me, then I was going to keep asking. When it comes to talking with patients, you know, it's um, asking the right questions. I think one of the questions that assistants ask that doctors miss is that we ask the patients, what do you think is happening? Or <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, a patient will tell you that this tooth hurts and there's no clinical reason for it. Um, and they become that major mystery of the day. And um, when I step back and ask them, well, what do you think is happening? And that's when you may hear, well, I used to wear a night guard and, you know, it broke, but, um, you know, or I've been under a lot of stress or I've changed my diet. You know, there's, there's a, a number of things and patients know they are the owners of their bodies. And it's no different in dentistry than it is in medicine when we go in and we don't feel like we're being heard. I think that the role of the dental assistant is, um, is huge in letting those patients be heard because then we can take that information and we can be an advocate for our patients in the dentist. Um, and a smart de dentist will, will encourage that. And, and I've heard so many times that patients are more willing to talk to the assistant, maybe or to open up to the assistant. And, and I think that I love that you're talking about the right questions to ask. And I love that question that you threw out there. I think that's a great one to start the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, then you can go from there, right? Because you'll pick up what makes sense. If it's a fractured tooth syndrome, then you'll say, oh, okay. So when, you know, can you bite on it? Or if you look and you see it's a root canal treated tooth, oh, it feels like a if I feel something, but it's not pain. And you can explain to patients about that. They are more willing to open up to us because we don't, they don't perceive that we have a financial stake in how they answer. Um, and, and we're more on their level because there still is even the, the, even the, the coolest hippest doctor that comes in and introduces themselves with their first name is still, you know, there's still that, um, societal kind of level, you know, and, and you don't want to sound stupid by asking the wrong questions, patients many times, um, just, just, just sit there and wait. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the transition you made into hygiene. And, and if I heard you correctly, there was some encouragement for you to do that. What kind of, yeah. what kind of process was that like? And when did you know it was the right time maybe to take that step in your career? Yeah. So I, if I had told you, if you had told me, if my past, my future self went to my past self and said, you're going to be a dental hygienist or work in dental they were like, you are nuts. There's no way, you know, like, why would I want to do that? So, <laughs> so I learned uh, in my mid twenties to, um, I, I realized that I, a profession that I hadn't realized I liked so much. Um, I worked for a wonderful oral surgeon, Dr. Charles Bowen, um, who was determined to get me married off. I was 25 okay. and it was unacceptable that I was not married. So he would try to, uh, this man was so funny. He was the sweetest man, but you know, people fill out medical histories with like name and your marriage status and where you work. And, you know, he would use that as a screening tool. He was like match.com before .com was around. And so he'd call me into these rooms with these poor gentlemen in an oral surgery chair. And I'm looking all my, all my great self, <laughs> like the scrubs and the hair and the whole nine yards. And he tried to get, he's like, oh, this young man works for this. And I'm like, that's great. Did you need something? Um, so, so one day, 
<laughs> one day he pulled me into his office and he said, you know, Nicole, when you came to work for us, I thought to myself, she's going to marry someone and leave us. And just about when I was about to interrupt and say, hey, married women work too, you know, yeah, <laughs> before yeah. I got on my, my, my liberal woman soapbox, <laughs> he then finished his sentence and said, um, but since I can't seem to get you married off, and that doesn't seem to be happening, why don't you think about going to school? <laughs> wow. That's, <laughs> it was that's so a transition funny. right there. <laughs> He was so funny. Um, so his very, very good friend was the head of the hygiene school here at the University of Vermont. And uh, he uh, made a phone call and contacted them. I had a previous degree at a, a bachelor's in arts in psychology um, from UVM. So they got my transcripts and I went up, I said, hey, you know, this is a smart man that I respect. He, he can see that I, you know, he, I was interested in what I did and um, found it interesting and fulfilling. So I didn't know much too much about what hygiene involved in terms of education and practice, uh, but I trusted him because he kind of became a mentor and an advisor that I didn't realize I really had. And then I eventually did get married and he came to my wedding and he was very pleased. So, <laughs> Well, see, it all works out. And, and I think you've given us all now a great idea for a dating show. So <laughs> with all the reality shows out there, that could be the next one. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you, you talked about, you know, going back and talking to your former self. And I'd love to know if you could go back to that dental assistant. What are some things that you wish that you knew then that you know now and maybe could share with those younger dental assistants who are out there listening? My my biggest thing is that I didn't realize how much I would miss it. Um, so I think that dental assistants are um, a lifeblood of a practice. I mean, there are, everybody had, you know, every department is important to the smooth running and the success of an office, but, you know, the dental assistant is really got their hand in everything. They typically know the doctors the best. They understand how the schedule can and can't work. Um, they usually have uh, the best relationships with the sales reps and people that come in because they know what the doctor doctors like and they can also know what they might like so that they can encourage that. So they're they're a part of everything. And I um, I think that when I think that there's a lot of young assistants who look at assisting as kind of like a stepping stone yes. Yes. and then you're going to then move on. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to, to further your skill set or education and moving into things that fulfill you. But I don't want them to take for granted how important their role is and how fulfilling it truly is. It's almost like taking a moment and taking a breath and kind of being in, in the moment. Um, and understanding what um, you bring to the practice and what your value is and how important you really are. I missed it a lot because I was found myself doing, you know, the repetitiveness. Hygiene's wonderful. I, I love my relationships with my patients, but it's different. It's very different. And it's the same thing over and over again. And you don't necessarily have that same connection to the doctor. So you're not always like, um, growing when that doctor's growing mentally and philosophically like you are when you're an assistant um, and walking those patients through the, 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 the process of their work and being that advocate, um, we make them feel so much better. I, I'm telling you, they, they, they need us in there with them. Um, so my advice and what I would have, um, what I would have uh, wish I had done was to 
uh, enjoy it more. Okay. That's great advice. Honestly, I think we blink and, and all of a sudden, you know, the days have passed and uh, yeah. So and, and was it during oral surgery that you kind of gained a, a love and an appreciation for, for the implant side of things? Uh, when yeah. did that first really take on with you? Yeah. So when I, well, I, you know, I, when I was in an oral surgery, dental implants were kind of the end of the road. Um, we were, that was still the era of, you know, implants, people had to not be a, you know, a diabetic, you couldn't be a smoker, you had to have good native bone. Um, you couldn't be perio. There were very strict guidelines because the implants, um, um, you know, implant systems weren't as predictable as they are today. Um, so implants were a curiosity and they were almost, uh, mystical, mythical to me when I was in oral surgery, because if they decided to do an implant, it was a big deal. We did a full on sterilization with betadine on the face. Um, they only had certain assistants that were in there with them that knew the, the process. And I, when I went to, to hygiene school, we learned a little bit about implants, about, you know, how to use that big plastic thing to push the plaque around. <laughs> uh, but um, then we went, I got into Perio, which was a younger practitioner. And so his, his philosophy was a little bit different. And um, we were placing implants and recommending them as more predictable than treating fractured teeth. Um, you know, we certainly weren't recommending apicos, things of that nature. So they were more of more standard of care by the time I came out. Um, so I learned a lot of my um, information about implants when I was in perio, which was interesting because I learned, I learned, you know, that I learned how predictable they can be. But then when I was doing hygiene on my hygiene days, I also got to learn how, you know, you could have problems, you know, or how maybe we don't always have the right things for patients to maintain them at home, or what are the challenges with that? So it, it was a crash course in all things implants. And, and my belief is, and I, I'd love your opinion on this, is that obviously the dental assistant can impact implants, not only on the clinical side, whatever states may allow, but also just that conversation about maybe opening the door or answering questions or whatever that might be. Uh, is that what you're finding as well? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, yeah, yes. Uh, usually what doctors will do, of course, is give a patient every option. I think that required to, you know, everything from do nothing to all of these other things you can do. And if an implant is folded in there, and then, then the, like you said, when the dentist leaves the room, the patient usually typically looks at us and says, well, what would you do? And um, that is, you know, that's a huge um a huge opportunity for the assistant to uh, discuss with the patient the the pros and the cons, you know, and, and what to expect and why, you know, why we would choose an implant over as uh, something else and to really talk about um, how they work and how they can maintain them and expectations. And then beyond that, when I worked in a, a specialty office, of course, everyone comes from other offices and it's so important for the patient to feel like this is all one big team, that there's no separation between the two offices. And I found that dental assisting, uh, they were, we were key in the communication with the other offices to make sure that that patient experience, not only clinically, but also kind of perceptively and psychologically was really, um, was really smooth uh, because we could share that information of the discussions that we had with the patient and what was happening. 
And then what do you find as a hygienist now, that relationship between the assistant and the hygienist post-implant with the maintenance, with making sure that uh, home care is the best that it could possibly be? How does that work in, in your eyes? So I think that the hygienists really need to kind of step up and make sure we keep assistance in the loop because it changes like that all the time, super fast, just like anything in technology. And, um, you know, people have different philosophies on what works and they have different clinical experiences on what works and what doesn't. But we need to, if we learn something new and we think that this is a good thing for implants, we need to show that to the assistants and we need to tell them why. Um, and that goes, that's the case for anything across the office for sure. But specifically with something like an implant where somebody's put so much time, effort and money into it, um, we wanna make sure we're giving them the best possible advice. So making sure we're all on the same page. Um, and, you know, like I was doing some temping because, you know, everybody needs somebody sure. uh, right now. And so Absolutely. I've been going yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> going in and, and being able to sprinkle some of my implant knowledge uh, with the offices that I had been temping in. And I always started with the assistants because they were the, the first ones. If you can get the patient doing good home care from, you know, home care starts the day that implant goes in. <laughs> Good home. If you can get them, and that's going to be the assistant um, that's going to set up the, the the conversation and maybe also the take home information that the patient has, uh, then that's going to set them up for success at their recall visits. So choosing the the appropriate brush depending on the circumstances, choosing the right you know the right rinses, the right paste, the every, all of that um, from the get go is what's really going to make or break that implant. Well, I, I love that you have the knowledge from the assistant side of things and that obviously the sprinkling of knowledge that you're doing now, I think it's so important for hygienists to be willing to work with assistants because you and I have both seen practices where that's not always the case, unfortunately. Yeah, temping has been an interesting psychological experiment because um, it's true. Um, you never forget that stuff that you learned, right? <laughs> um, so it's always in the back of my head. Um because I, you, it's a small, I'm in Vermont, it's a small community. Everyone pretty much knows who I am. I know that sounds, you know, pretentious, but it's true because it's small. Sure. Um, so, and I'm temping in my backyard. So um, people know who you are and they may, you come in and you're temping and you're working with a team and, you know, assistants really do set the tone in the clinical space, I think, many to, in many offices. And the best way, the best way to win them over is so easy. It's four simple words. How can I help you? Mm. That's it. Nice. That is it. Yep. I can't tell you how many, how, how many assistants are floored when I'm done with my day, you know, before my jacket's on and my keys are in my hand, right. I'm asking what I can do for them. Or if I, I'm done with a patient early doing that and they, I've had some of them stop and look at me like they didn't even understand the question. Um, but then that's it. You're in, you know, cause that's all they really want is to be seen and to have, you know, some support. And isn't that what we all want anyway? So absolutely. No, I, yeah. I think you just got a standing ovation from some of our listeners whenever you said that I have no doubt because uh, I think that that is just such a key, just being willing to help. So everybody can get out of the practice and get on with their lives. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Yeah. Well, well, Nicole, 
I love the conversation. I love I love where we're going today. And and I always ask our guests if there's a way that our listeners could follow up with you, ask any questions, whatever that might be. Is there a, is there a, a, a way that they can get a hold of you to ask this question? Sure. I mean, I do have, I, I have done some speaking, so I do have a website of my own. It's NicoleFortuneRDH.com and you can always send a message through there. And then you could also use my personal email address, which is uh, N-I-C-K-Y, that's Nikki, N-I-C-K-Y dot F as in Frank at Hotmail.com. And I'll be happy to answer any questions and, um, and just to connect too. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad that we connected, and and <laughs> certainly I appreciate uh, your thoughts on the dental assistance. And I know, like I said, a lot of folks uh, stood up and cheered for you a couple of times. During this. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. So, so thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you who listened to this episode. We love to bring guests around uh, the world in to talk about the, the issues that are important to dental assistants. Uh, we certainly appreciate our friends at Procter & Gamble for putting this together, helping uh, connect me with with uh, Nicole. She's been great. Uh, and certainly encourage you, make sure that you are working with your hygienist. Make sure you're working with your dentist to not only up your career and up your game, but to also help your patients uh, and, and have their questions answered. If you ever have something you'd like to have us answer for you, reach out through the Ignite Dental Assistance Instagram page or through Ignite DA on Facebook. But for now, Kevin Henry, co-founder of Ignite DA, signing off, wishing you a great day ahead. And as always, together we rise.